Welcome, Bills Mafia, to Bills or Bust, the podcast dedicated to all things Buffalo Bills. I'm Tom Murphy. Join in as we talk about the Buffalo Bills, of course, and also the other 31 teams in the league that will watch us win the Super Bowl or bust. Hey, Bills Mafia. This is Tom Murphy, and welcome to Bills or Bust podcast. Uh, Obviously, we are all still reeling from the tragedy we saw on the field last night in Cincinnati, where safety DeMar Hamlin collapsed on the field after a tackle and just an absolute unprecedented thing that uh, none of us have seen the likes of before. And our thoughts and prayers are with him and his family and all of his loved ones in this uh, trying time. Now, now I'd like to introduce you to my guest, very good friend of mine. He's the commissioner of one of the longest running fantasy football leagues in the country. Started in 1987. He's also the host of the podcast, Why Is This Not a Movie?, which I have been a guest on twice. And he is the author of three uh, books, The Miniature Book of Miniature Golf, The Pocket Book of Pocket Billiards, and a new uh, children's science book named The Planets Are Very, Very, Very Far Away. Please welcome my good friend, Mike Vago. Mike? Yeah, I, don't, I don't do short titles. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> That's, uh, somehow was able to make those uh, roll off the tongue uh, fairly easily, but uh, they actually do very, very much flow. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me on the show. And uh, I think everybody is sorry that it's not the fun, optimistic pre-playoff show we've talked about doing. Uh, you know, we're all kind of still in shock. No, it's, uh, I remember I, I talked to you last night, even wondering if we should do a show. I mean, I think that was just the initial reaction of everything, just processing, you know, what we saw. But, you know, I think it is, uh, you know, important, even in times like these, to reach out and process it with others. You know, we've both been big Bills fans pretty much our whole lives. You are from the uh, Buffalo area. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, I, when I, up until the age of about three, I lived in Orchard Park, kind of in the shadow of the stadium. Oh, wow. No, you definitely know uh, you know what this team means the, to the community and just how everybody's thoughts are with Damar Hamlin right now. As hard as it is to think about this incident, like this is just nothing we've ever seen. And it's just, uh, you see plenty of injuries. And I just think I have to say the moment for me is when one of the commentators had just said they are administering CPR. That just seemed to hit me like a ton of bricks. And even just the way, you know, there, we've seen plays where the actual hit was hard to watch. You know, mm-hmm. Lawrence Taylor hitting Joe Theismann or something where you saw it happen, you knew as soon as the contact was made, you know, somebody gets hit with a helmet and, uh, and you think, oh no, this was such a routine play. He just made a tackle and the two guys bumped into each other like happens a thousand times a game. And it oh, wasn't until sure. he sort of took that step and then fell down, mm-hmm. um, which is, if anything, sort of more terrifying because... It seems so out of the blue. Oh yeah, I was uh, I was commenting to another friend that I felt there were three in the short time that the game was played. I felt that there were like three hits that were even a little more hard to watch than that one at the time. I mean, now it's just about the scariest thing you know you think of. But you know, there was the hurdle by uh, Hayden Hurst where he got kind of caught on Jordan Poyer. That was kind of one where I even had to look away. But no, it's just uh, yeah, you're right. It's it's what makes it scary and what makes the sport scary uh, is, is just the, the danger that these players are constantly putting themselves in. Well, that's that's the thing that something like this 
forces you to reckon with that this is a violent, dangerous sport, and everybody kind of knows that and just keeps on going. And you know, this is this is a country where we continue to not address the gun violence epidemic. We're very, very good at looking at something dangerous and horrific and deadly and just saying, well, let's just see what happens next week. But it's baked into the cake. My son is in, um, my older son goes to a high school that's a big football school, Pittsburgh Steelers, defensive back Minka Fitzpatrick went oh, there. Yes. You know, they've, you know, football's a big deal there. And every student every year has to sign a waiver that the school isn't liable if they dropped out of a heart attack on the field. And my son's sports are fencing and concert band. And he still has to sign a cardiac waiver because the school is expecting that. It's part of football because a dozen high school kids die a year because they don't have the, you know, the medical resources that the Cincinnati Bengals, thankfully, did. That they were able to immediately administer CPR and almost certainly save his life. That they had an ambulance ready to go. You know, but it's that it's that dangerous at the professional level, but it's being played sort of just as intensely at the school level, at the amateur level, whether they don't necessarily have the medical resources, but they still have the same level of danger. And, you know, we're putting, we're putting kids in that day. And, you know, I'm 47. You're around the same age. Like, DeMar Hamlin's a kid. He's 24. It was his second season. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, you have to kind of constantly question, like, what are we, what are we doing here? Uh, yeah. You know, it's, uh, you know, I just kind of kept thinking, like, the entire day yesterday, you know, looking forward to this game. It's, like, pretty much all that's on my mind start, you know, 10 different uh, text windows right before the game. And then it's just the game started off like so much fun. It was high energy. You could tell both teams came to play. And then it was just like a 180 even seems like an understatement from where it was just like, this is going to be one of the best games like ever to do I even want to watch another football game, you know? And yeah, yeah. We will, you know, we will uh, eventually kind of process this and move on and still root for this team that we've been fans of all of this time. But it's just at the time, it's almost going forward. It's just like we're never going to look at this game the same way. Yeah. And it's also coming at the end of years of, you know, concussions and head injuries and brain damage. And, you know, somebody like Daryl Talley was one of the Bills greats who has brain damage and is doesn't have a lot of money left and you know is in rough shape and there was sort of an open question of is the league taking care of these guys and that was the that was the baseline knowing these players are risking brain injuries and then something like this happens and you know we both loved football and loved this team our whole lives and mm-hmm. it just football makes it harder and harder to like to love football um the new yorker pointed out that in the early days of the sport players were dying on the field, uh, largely from head injuries. And Teddy Roosevelt, then President Teddy Roosevelt, stepped in and made them institute rule changes and helmets and all these sort of things, and the game got safer. And so I think that's what has to happen. And you know, hopefully if any good comes out of this, it's a wake-up call that the NFL... And the NFL had responded very belatedly to the concussion CRT issues by making some changes. Yes. But kind of small things here and there. The, the problem is, I don't know what the change is that you would have to make because part of it is the game has just escalated over the years. The players are stronger, they're faster, they hit harder and you can't just put our Donovan back out there in a leather helmet. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't know how you ramp that back down. And there's also the thing of like sports have gotten far more intense, much younger. Mm-hmm. Cause when my kids were the age when they're, you know, their friends were starting to do little league. When we were kids, little league was like a couple hours on Sunday afternoon. And now it's like four days a week. And, oh, wow. you know, you're supposed to practice when you're not 
with the team and they have like night games on school nights for like eight and nine year old kids. And oh wow, it's, it's really intense. And like, even, you know, baseball is not quite as injury plagued as football is, but you have high school kids having Tommy John surgery. And that used to be like a last resort for like major leaguers who were like late in their pitching career, but, mm. but they're throwing faster and faster and just destroying their arms you know, for, for the sake of the game. It's, just, it's the same thing with football. Like everything just gets more and more and more and more intense. And, you know, as a fan, you get to see these amazing feats of athleticism that were, you know, weren't even humanly possible, you know, 30 years ago. But there's a, you know, there's a price for that. And we've all kind of been willing to look the other way and pay the price. And at some yeah. point, when do we back off? But also, how do, how do we back off? Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you tell these players who have gotten where they are, just the, the peak of athletic, athletic ability, by being hyper-competitive and really driven, how do you say, like, dial it back a little bit? Oh, yeah, no, of course. Yeah, without losing, you know, integrity of the game. You know, we're, uh, we're often complaining about all of the uh, late hits on the quarterback that seem to be like a fraction after. And as fans, we're just like, we get so up in arms, you know, when a flag is called on something like that. And, you know, you just have to realize that, yeah, there's like another, there's another human being on the end of that. And maybe we should just be a little... A little more sensitive to that. I mean, it's hard to do in the heat of the moment. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, yeah. It is. You did touch on a, it's a great point about how the athletes are just getting more and more fine tuned and even more physical. Last year, before the Super Bowl, I watched a replay of the 1981 AFC Championship between the Bengals and Chargers, and you just look at the players on the field then and the ones now, and you just think like neither one of those teams could compete possibly with probably with the worst NFL team in the league right now oh, because sure. these guys are just like almost like 3% body fat, it seems. So it's like, you know, getting hit by one of these 290 pound linemen who are just, you know, well-oiled machines. It's got to be like getting hit by a car. Well, I remember when, when Bruce Smith came into the league, he was so big and so fast and just seemed superhuman compared to the other guys in the field. And now it's all Bruce Smith's. <laughs> that, that is, you know, Josh, Al- Josh Allen is built like Bruce Smith. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Josh Allen is yeah built like a uh, big idea. If you say a linebacker, yeah, he's built like an almost defensive end from thirty years ago. Yeah, and the quarterback was the skinny guy you had to protect. Yeah, you know, exactly. not the guy knocking people down on the field. Um, but yeah, one thing we have to talk about with the NFL like reforming. One thing they absolutely have to do better was uh, that reaction last night of initially giving them the five minute warm up once Demar Hamlin was carted off the field. Yeah, yeah. That was just, that was one of the, uh, that was just something I just could not wrap my head around at that time. Like, you're saying, we're going to do a five-minute warm-up and still play. And I was like, how, how are you going to play? And I think the NFL rightfully is, uh, they're getting their due from the fans. That was just not the right call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I think they were as unprepared to deal with this as we were to see it happen. Yeah, no. That is very true. It is, you know, kind of just like, what do you do in that situation? And I have to give a lot of credit to both McDermott and uh, Zach Taylor for, you know, making the right call and just going to the locker rooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has, it was great to see how just completely supportive Cincinnati, the, you know, this, the staff and the team and the fans and this, you know, every, everybody on both sides rallied around Damar. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't see uh you know, you see some pretty emotional reactions over a lot of hits where a player's down on the ground for a while. I had never seen anything like we did last night from from both teams. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, yeah. Think, I think the with the five-minute warm-up, 
the sort of normal procedure is the show must go on. When somebody gets hurt, somebody breaks their leg, they get carved off, and then you go back to the game and keep playing. And you sub in mm-hmm. a different guy, whatever. And this crossed a line. Maybe it wasn't immediately apparent to whoever in the front office made that call. You know, but he but he, he nearly dropped dead and probably would have if the if the Cincinnati medical staff hadn't been I know, right on top of it. You yeah, know, yeah. It was like I think it was eight minutes after the uh initial hit happened when they announced that they had performed CPR on him, which is I don't ever remember that really being ever hearing that in a game ever. And we've had, you know, oh, no. players we've had players get uh, you know, face paralysis, which is that was a thing. Seemed to be happening like once a year in like the early early nineties. Well, I was going to say the injury to Dennis Bird was kind of the only comparable situation. But even then, I don't know that it was clear how bad it was until the following days. Whereas here, like in the moment, you knew. Mm-hmm. No, that was that was quite a story. And there was also a I think a center for the Lions, Mike Utley. I think he was a year before that, and Derek Stingley from the eighties. And then we also, in 2007, we had the tight end, uh, Kevin Everett. Oh, right, uh, right. And I think I remember at the time, we just like thought like, oh, like, you know, just hope he's okay. And it turned out to be very serious where his life was in like immediate jeopardy. And they kind of, I think I remember them not really addressing it during the game and maybe to the point where the players didn't even know. And they, yeah, they, they probably didn't. You know, you just oh, yeah. have to stop the game and tell everybody. But yeah, no, it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, no, you are right. It's, uh, I think people are getting on the NFL. I certainly was, but yeah, they probably just didn't know what to do. And they probably weren't thinking of a game cancellation. They don't, they don't cancel. This is first time in my memory where they like completely canceled a game mid game. And it brings us to earlier today, they announced they're not going to continue this game this week. And it's just a question. I can't even think, begin to think where that process goes if they ever do finish this game and like what happens, you know, with the playoffs, I can't even think week 18 games are supposed to go on just as planned. And that's only five days away. And I can't even think of logistically. I don't know where you squeeze in the game. Maybe they call it a tie, but I, I also, but I think they're also smart to it's, it's, it's kind of the last thing anybody cares about right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's smart of them to just, we'll, we'll figure this out later. Oh yeah. I mean, I was, uh, I texted several, people I was in contact with last night that, uh, you know, even as much as forward to that game, I was looking and, you know, and I'm pretty intense. I was saying, it was like, I, like, I just really, I didn't care if they forfeited. I didn't even, yeah, I don't know if that's an that option. I've never, played. yeah, I just, uh, like, I wanted just something to be like, okay, this is, let's just put this game in the past and just try and figure out like what's going to happen with DeMar, uh, which is absolutely the most important thing. And, uh, it's just amazing how you can go from, you know, point A to point B, like wanting nothing more than a Bills win to, you know, oh, sure. like not even care if they forfeit and just be like, oh, let's, you know. Well, yeah, everything gets put in perspective very quickly. Uh, absolutely. It's never been anything like this. Uh, still, uh, still a little dazed from it, but last night I was just somber and dazed. It was just a horrible, horrible feeling and just, just hoping that Damar Hamlin just like gets out of that hospital and is able to enjoy life to the fullest oh, absolutely yeah something like that but uh you had also mentioned mentioned several times how wonderful the city of cincinnati the bengals organization and the fans were during all of this oh yeah and Ham- hamlin's charity raised i think three million dollars in the last 24 hours oh yeah it's actually now up to four it's oh, just that's great it's just it's just exponentially 
it's a, a toy drive in uh, McKee's Rocks, Pennsylvania, a suburb of uh, Pittsburgh. And uh, yeah, no, it's just incredible what they will be able to do with all of these donations. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and the fans last night held vigil at the hospital where Hamlin was being tended to. Definitely reminds me of uh, this isn't the first time Cincinnati and Buffalo has had a uh, supportive relationship with the football teams. As uh, we remember, Bill's Mafia donated an exorbitant amount, not nearly close to $4 million, but to Andy Dalton's charity when he defeated the Ravens to end our 17-year drought. Right, right. Yeah, they since he knocked them out of the playoffs so the Bills could get in. And Andy Dalton had returned the favor. He actually bought a billboard in Buffalo. I think it was close to the airport where he thanked the fans of Buffalo. Oh, that's great. And it is just good, you know, when uh, like how intense uh, rivalries with other teams can be. It's We came together for Cincinnati in a time that was positive for us, and they've really come to our aid in a time that's been really negative for us. Yeah, of course. Just keeping, just keeping my eye on updates for Demar Hamlin. It's he really, you know, stepped into a huge role this season after the injury to Micah Hyde, and I know this was just uh, such a, you know, such a dream for him. And yeah, I'm almost speechless on just how uh, just devastating this is. Yeah, same. It's you know, it's 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 hard to know what to say, and it's hard to know how to go back to just talking about football. Yeah, like I said, you know, we were planning this was absolutely supposed to be we're hoping be celebrating a big win today but then it's even more importantly it really it's given fans especially myself probably an even more perspective than just something like a a win or loss for something that's just a game yeah exactly yeah and from that note you know talking about how what we were expecting the playoffs are to start in about two weeks and two weeks just after something like this it almost seems like tomorrow in the sense of like that seems almost too soon just kind of curious how like do you see any uh how things can move forward from here well on on one hand it's it's hard to you know it's hard to think about uh you know there's a game next week and there's a playoffs week after that or anything like that but on the other hand this is what happens when there's a tragedy you want the world to stop and it just doesn't you still got to get up and make breakfast in the morning and everything just kind of keeps happening and so this is just going to be hanging over the playoffs i think it's going to be hard to watch the next game or two because it's not really a rational thing but when something like this happens you're just bracing for it to happen again and to be perfectly honest i've been watching all season it's so much fun to watch josh allen and yet in the back of my mind i'm just waiting you know every time he vaults over somebody i'm waiting for him to get hurt because you know he he takes so many risks on the field and his style of play is so physical and it just seems inevitable and um and so I think oh, yeah. in the back of our, our minds, it's going to be, oh, no, you know, what's what's next? Who's next? Even though, yeah. you know, the odds are it'll be a regular game, at least in the sense of injury risk or whatever. It's not going to be a regular game for, I think, anybody in the field or anybody in the stands. Oh, no, for sure. I mean, this has just affected the NFL world, uh, you know, from players to fans to coaches just tenfold. And, yeah, we're just we're going to learn more in the uh, upcoming days, like upcoming hours, the upcoming days. You know, you mentioned Josh Allen. I've I've felt uh, that same way. I think a lot of fans do. Remember, he had that uh, when he had that first hurdle in his rookie season. It was like, you know, you thought that was just it was so cool and just uh, you know something you don't see. And I think he he's done it like probably six times since. And every time he does it, it's just like like that was fun. Thank you. Please let that be your last. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he's a guy who just uh, 
he plays like so many of these players do just, you know, completely fearlessly. Like he pretty much, anytime he slides feet first to try it, uh, I'm convinced that it's more or less to draw a penalty as opposed to saving himself. Right. Right. And, and, you know, a lot of these players are, are fearless and, and have been, you know, sort of raised to be ultra competitive. It wouldn't be where they were if they weren't. And so I think it's, it's, it's really down to the league to it's rather than tell these hyper competitive players, you know, it's on you to sort of, you know, back off and be safer. It's, it's gotta be up to the league to find, find ways to make the game safer because a lot of the players, you know, during the concussion, you know, the whole years long discussion about that, a lot of players have said, you know, we all know the risks and we want to play this game and we make millions of dollars doing it. I remember again, Bruce Smith saying, um, you know, I get paid to be in a, in a car accident every Sunday. Mm-hmm. And he said like, and I know that there's a danger to that and it's taking a toll on me, but I grew up poor. My kids grew up millionaires and that's the trade-off. And so I think a lot of individual players are going to look at their individual situations and say, I can take that risk because, you know, everybody thinks it's not going to happen to me. But also, you could rationally look at that trade-off and say they're paying me millions of dollars to do this. I can take a chance on on being hurt. But you know, a larger force like the league has to step has to step up and say, "Well, we can't. We have to minimize the risks these guys are taking." Oh, absolutely. And uh, you know, to bring a good uh, mutual friend, both of ours, you know, Jason Thurston, who has been a guest on this show, we text almost daily and pretty much touch on every player throughout the week. It seems and. It was right before the game. We were both commenting on how uh, Demar Hamlin just, uh, while well, he stepped into this role, filling in for Micah Hyde, all pro safety, just um, like how high his motor is, and he just seems to be all over the field, and just how he was just making the most out of this opportunity. And oh yeah, he's been such a such a bright spot in the season, and has had a lot of bright spots. Oh yeah, oh absolutely, and it's just, um, and it's a shame for this to happen to anyone somehow it just seems to be elevated you know by his age by you know as a sixth round draft pick really odds tend tend to be stacked against them a little bit and he was just given this amazing opportunity that he absolutely made the most of he's now become a household name for you know the reasons that he most certainly and his family did not want yeah yeah absolutely and uh me and you will just continue to uh keep them and our Damar and his family in our thoughts and just keep, uh, just stay updated on him and just absolutely hope for the best. Yeah, of course. And, uh, you know, Mike, it's been a real, uh, really fortunate to have you on, on this, uh, you know, unprecedented episode. Next time you're on, uh, under much, uh, more positive circumstances, definitely like to talk more about INFL fantasy league that we were both a part of that you are commissioner of and i did uh want to touch on the podcast that i've been a guest on twice and that you are bringing back for another season yeah i took i took a break for a while um i kind of ran through my stable of guests and uh as you as you know podcasts are a big time suck um (laughs) but yeah i've been thinking about bringing it back for the new year and so you're welcome back because tom did two great episodes like the archives all still there and um you know, Tom's a big sports guy. He's a big comedy guy. And yet he did two really bleak, uh, really compelling stories that are, you know, two of the best episodes. So go back to the archive and listen to those and then look for new ones in the new year at some point when I, when I get my act together. Oh, absolutely. And I will try and, uh, cause, uh, there's definitely not a lack of stories out there for 
possible movies. So I'll, oh, definitely, sure, yeah. try, I'll definitely try and uh, we need a lot more positivity, especially in these times. So I'll definitely try and bring a, a little bit of a sunnier uh, subject. And uh, the podcast again is Why Is This Not a Movie? It is available on Apple. And Spotify and like all the, all the services except for Stitcher. Ah, fantastic. Which is, which is the paid one. No one should have to pay to listen to, listen to me ramble. And <laughs> oh, um, I would... I would, pay my, all that, I would pay all that you ask, Mike. <laughs> and my, my latest book, uh, The Planets Are Very, Very, Very Far Away, it's a, um, it's a kid's book that shows you the real... The central conceit of the book is that you have never seen an accurate model of the solar system because the planets are just too far away from each other to put on, a, on the same page. And so this book folds out like a gatefold, and then it folds out again to six pages wide, so it's five feet wide, so that you get this gigantic, vast emptiness in between the planets, and you get a sense of how how, how small everything is in the grand scheme. Oh, wow. And That's so that came out about a month ago, and is, uh, you know, everywhere you buy books, but support your local independent bookstore. Oh, fantastic. And I know it's uh, designed for children, but, uh, you know, someone who's not, someone such as myself, a 43-year-old, who's not... Uh, you know, really up to date on current happenings in the solar system. I'm sure it could be a good starting jumping off point for someone like myself. Oh yeah, yeah. And I'm 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 getting like reviews on Amazon saying I got bought this for my kid, but I've been reading it myself. And you know, it's just it, I found a good way to visualize something that we don't usually visualize, which is just how vast space is and how far apart things are. And it happened. The book was supposed to come out a couple of years ago, and it got delayed because of the pandemic. And then came out just in time for us to go back to the moon and launch a space telescope. And suddenly, we're just discovering all this stuff about space, which is all fascinating. So it seemed like a very good time for a book about the solar system to come out. Very good. And congratulations with the release on that. And uh, we'll just mention your uh, other two uh, books, The Miniature Book of Miniature Golf and The Pocket Book of Pocket Billiards. These are both books I feel uh, I could uh, definitely use on my coffee table. But yeah, and they're they're both playable uh, sort of games in book form. Uh, mini golf is a working miniature golf course. You the book comes with a tiny golf club and tiny golf balls. You put a ball in a hole in the cover. You open it to page one. The ball's resting on the tee. You putt through. It goes in the hole down to page two, and you player you putt your way down through the book. And so um, and billiards comes with a with a sort of tiny pool table. And the book itself is about billiards games from throughout history and around the world and the rules on how to play like cowboy pool and three ball and all these games that have largely been forgotten. Well, yeah, no, these both of these sound like just, uh, you know, not only for people who are interested in them, but uh, they just make absolutely great gifts. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, once again, Mike, I uh, just want to thank you for being on again. And we'll uh, definitely be in touch as this uh, situation unfolds. Yeah, of course. And yeah, I think every 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 Bills fan, every football fan is, you know, hoping for the best. Absolutely. And uh, with that being said, I want to uh, thank all of the listeners. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time during uh, this unprecedented tragic time. And just to let you know, if you are interested in donating to Demar's charity that has been steamrolling in the donations, it is called the uh, Chasing M's Foundation. Again. Damar, we're thinking of you. You're very, uh, very heavy on our hearts now, and we're just hoping you come home soon. That is our show. We'll be back at some time in the near future. Um, and in the meantime, let's go, Damar. Thanks again for listening to Buffalo Bills or Bust. Remember to like and subscribe. Leave a comment. And let's go, Buffalo!
Buffalo Bills or Bust has been a Samurai Dinosaur production. Copyright 2023.